Hey, welcome to Plant Yourself. I'm your host, Howard Jacobson. Two quick announcements before we get to today's show. If you're interested in becoming a health coach, I'm offering another run due to popular demand for people who can't make 8 p.m. on Wednesday nights, Eastern Time. So we're doing another run of the program, which will meet the practicums will meet at 10 a.m. on Wednesdays, Eastern Time U.S., which means if you're in Europe or Africa, uh, that might be good for you. Also, if you're in the US and evenings aren't good and you have free time in the mornings, either 7 a.m. Uh, Pacific time or 10 to 1130 Eastern, then you can participate. If you want to find out more about becoming a wicked effective health coach, you can go to wellstartcoach.com. Second thing is, if you're not aware of it, Josh Lajani and I have a book that is free on Amazon Kindle. It's called Sick to Fit. And if you just go to Amazon and search for Sick to Fit, you'll be able to download it for free and read it on any Kindle enabled device, even a phone, smartphone, tablet, computer, whatever. All right, let's get to today's episode. This is the Plant Yourself podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of plantyourself.com and Wellstart Health. This podcast is part of my mission to help you live a conscious and connected life. So I'm real excited to report that PCRM, the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, are coming to my neck of the woods. They're coming to the Triangle of North Carolina and they're running a kickstart in the triangle. They've done it in a bunch of cities all across the country, and now they're in mine. And one of the things that's so wonderful and classy about PR, PCRM is they don't just come in with their own experts, although they are bringing some, but they really work on highlighting, featuring, and honoring the work of locals. And so today on this podcast, I'm interviewing four of those locals to give you a sense of what a healthy plant-based community uh, can look like when people start coming together, working together, and connecting over these important issues, values, missions, whatnot. <laughs> you can hear the sirens in the background. It has been completely silent here today. I'm in Indianapolis right now at the American College of Lifestyle Medicine Conference, which I'll talk about soon on another podcast. I've got a lot of interviews lined up with amazing clinicians, practitioners, entrepreneurs who've all come together to foster lifestyle medicine, but that's a topic for another podcast. Um, that was just a siren reminding me to let you know that I'm here today. Before we get started, I'm just going to give you one announcement. I'm thrilled to let you know that the next WellStart Health Coach Training Certification course begins, we have a date, November 5th. That's Monday, November 5th, and we are now taking uh, applications. So if you're interested, just go to wellstartcoach.com. Dot com. Read all about it. There's a couple of videos you can watch. You can watch a demo coaching call with me, Kevin, and Josh. And you can decide if you want to sign up for an enrollment interview. Um, and if you like it and we think you'd be a good fit, then we can get you into the program. The deadline for signing up is uh, Thursday, November 1st, so that we have the weekend to prep everything and make sure you hit the ground running on the 5th. So again, well start, coach. Dot com if you're interested in becoming a certified WellStart Health Wellness Coach. Also, I should mention that if you're in the Triangle region or will be here this coming weekend, the weekend of the 26th and 27th of October 2018, you should definitely check out the, uh, fest the Kickstart. And you can find out more about that at kickstartyourhealth.org. That'll take you right to the Triangle page for PCRM. And I'll be there all weekend, and I look forward to seeing you there. 
All right, so let's get right to it and meet our four local heroes. So I'll introduce each of my interviewees uh, in turn. And we're going to begin with one of my favorite all-time people, Queenetta Moore. Queenie was a guest on this podcast several years ago, and she's gone on to do a number of more amazing things, which we're about to talk about. So let's kick off this uh, PCRM Triangle Kickstart edition of the Plant Yourself podcast by welcoming our first guest. Queenetta Moore, welcome back to the Plant Yourself podcast. I'm happy to be back. Thank you, Howie. <laughs> yeah, and, and here we are talking about an event in our own backyard that you are helping to to put together and, and further the agenda of health and plant-based eating and all that good stuff. Um, before we get to that, let's let's just remind folks maybe who didn't hear you on the last time you were on the podcast, like what you do um, and what's what's going on in, in your life and your work and your advocacy. Great. So I offer um, challenges that help people, mainly the people who are not familiar with the plant-based diet um, or people who might be very limited in funds. I help them to create a program for themselves um, that lasts for 21 days. Um, that consists of only plant-based foods, and that is comprised of recipes, um, tips, suggestions, what to ex- what to expect, what normal detox symptoms to expect. Um, I create a community as far as um, a Facebook support group for people who have done my challenges before that actually just help motivate um, the newbies and <laughs> to give them insight also and say, hey, you know, this is how I did it, raising three kids on my own. And this is how I did it, working working full-time and going to school full-time. And so there's all these little helpful tidbits that I myself can't always relate to, but the community that I have is very supportive and people who are very enthusiastic about uh, the lifestyle change, they're more than willing and very eager uh, to help other people succeed. My challenges have different ethnic um, undertones to them, so... They incorporate um, Latin foods as well as Afro-Caribbean foods and Southern foods. Pretty much most to, and I, I also have a Clean Start program, which is one of the most um, easiest to, um, you know, jump into. But for those who have ethnic preferences as far as how they like their food, um, then I have plant-based recipes for them. Gotcha. So. At what stage of awareness or commitment do people start, you know, intersect with you Where do, when they get interested or start a 21 day to plant based journey with you? Are they like committed? Are they curious? Are they doubtful? Yeah, so all of the above, actually. Um, I have people, mainly what I what I see are people who've been contemplating the diet for some time. Maybe they have watched a documentary or they've heard someone else or they've seen someone else who is vegan or plant-based and, um, and they are curious, but maybe that person is not able to offer them the insight that they need. Um, or maybe they just don't want to confess that <laughs> oftentimes they might not want to confess that. Um, one person sparked an interest, you know, in their life when they have been telling them, you know, they were going to eat meat for the rest of their <laughs> life, you know. So, um, so I think I get all levels. I get mostly people who, though, have seen some sort of documentary or 
have been exposed to a vegan lifestyle in some form or fashion. Um, most people who follow me or who join the challenge have been exposed in some way. And that sometimes may be because of my online presence myself, but it's also, it's, it's, it's a collection of um, inspirations, I guess. So different level of conscious, different levels of consciousness all together with all of my participants. Some are even already vegan or already plant-based, but they are in need of new recipes because we all kind of sometimes hit that wall and they need to be a little bit more creative. So I also have those too. Uh-huh. So what are, what are the, the main things that you help people with in those 21 days that if you if you weren't there or the community weren't there or the recipes or the process wasn't there, that would trip them up? Oh, so ooh, that's a good question. So I think it it varies. That's a it varies on the, uh, based on the individual, uh, but that's why I feel the community, as far as the Facebook support group, is so helpful. Um, when I first went vegan, I really or plant based, really, because in the beginning I wasn't, I didn't commit to a vegan lifestyle. Um, but when I first went plant based, I didn't have resources for anything really. I was just googling recipes, and so I was eating the most basic <laughs> um, foods. I didn't have as much flavor as I thought. Um, as I would like to have had. So I think I needed so much support when I was going through my journey that um, I needed a variety of questions answered. I didn't know all of what vegan meant. I didn't know that, I, you know, what a vegan diet entailed or a vegan lifestyle entailed. I just wanted to eat plants. <laughs> um, so I needed support. I needed questions answered as far as that. And I needed a very friendly environment. Um, a welcoming environment. And sometimes we might experience um, issues in that in our communities at times. So I kind of just leave it. It's really based up to the end or based on the individual and what their particular life circumstances or questions might be, but they range. I have people who, um, you know, I might not be able to help them with their, um, some of their medical concerns or things like that. And of course, you know, I'm not operating as a, you know, a medical professional, but there are people on the community that have experienced relief from certain illnesses, um, diabetes, high blood pressure, issues with their thyroids, and eventually coming off of, um, you know, level thyroxine, Synthroid, and all of those other medications. So people are able to offer much more insight because there's a variety, there's a few thousand people in the group um, who've completed the, the challenge. So while I might not have that issue that they might be experiencing, there's people in the group that may. And so we leave it as an open forum to kind of just give insight, you know, and support. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Um, so when, you, when you're listing the, the different uh, types of foods, the different ethnic um, flavors, so there's there was soul, there was Southern, um, is it Afro-Caribbean? Uh, what, what else? Yes, sir. Yeah, and Latin. And Latin. So, yep. so, so there's different remakes of those foods. That's all. Uh huh. So is that, I mean, you're 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 working largely with communities of color. Yes, absolutely. So I found that that was my presence more so in, um, I mean, based on my Instagram followers, it kind of just seems that it was just more ethnic uh, people that followed me, and they needed something that was, um, 
you know, uh, applicable or could be attuned to their traditional way of eating. Um, I think I mentioned this on my last <laughs> my last interview with you, but um, a lot of times we have, especially in the Black community, I can speak for that community because I'm a part of it, but um, we always think um, whenever we see a large uh, population of white people doing a diet or European, whatever you want to call it, they're doing a certain diet, we automatically will always, always defer to that as a very bland or tasteless uh, food. It, it's kind of like it's our misconception or maybe, you know, maybe people have just experienced that in comparison to what they're used to eating. Um, but it just, it, it just simply is what it is. So I was one of those people also, and I felt that um, going plant-based, I was going to lose the flavor and the seasonings and all of that variety that I was used to having, or which I didn't, I thought it was variety at the time. It turns out that it wasn't, but um, all of the foods that I was used to eating and my, my mother's from North Carolina. So I ate a very Southern diet, even living up North, but I ate, um, you know, flavorful foods. And I thought I was going to lose that whenever I went plant-based. And so when I actually found out that, hey, you can not sacrifice flavor and have a plant-based diet, I felt like, oh my gosh, everybody needs to know this because I think that's the main hindrance for most people of color um, because we like seasoned food. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to come back to that because I, I calculated that you were on this podcast over three years ago. And yeah. it feels like from just being an observer that the black vegan or black plant plant based community has grown tremendously. Grown like what's so much. like like tell me from your perspective, like what has happened in three years? I think you know, I think obviously the documentaries are playing a large part, but um, in the black community specifically, I feel that um, because we are amongst, um, you know, a large part of our population are suffering from dietary related uh, illnesses. And I think we just need it. What it appears to be is we just needed the information. We just needed um, the ability to make this diet a part of our lifestyle without sacrificing, you know, flavor and things of that nature. So I feel what um, particular to the black vegan community is that they have found a way to do exactly what um, I had sought out to do three years ago, which was create recipes that mimicked or um, at least um, incorporated a lot of the ingredients that we were used to using or used to seeing and making it something that we could do on a day-to-day -day basis. So I think prior to three years ago, I feel like a lot of us felt it was unattainable and it was something that we could not do. And then I think with the help of social media, um, which, you know, it's a love and hate thing with social media, but in this instance, I feel, you know, people take pictures of their food, they're posting recipes of their food and they're creating their businesses, people who've been vegan for some time. Um, they, they're creating businesses to help other people. So I just feel that the community has banded together in such an ama amazing way, but it's helped, um, with showcasing that people are living this lifestyle and they're not frail and they're not skinny and they're not malnutrition and um, they're active and, you know, they're bodybuilders or they're, you know, they're fit, they're toned. 
and or curvy, you know, in my case, <laughs> um, curvy and still leading a lifestyle that is uh, cleaner than what they're used to, but um, but still delectable and still uh, very nutritious, obviously. So I think the fear, to maybe answer your question, I think the fear and the uh, awareness was that I think those played a large part. And I think the help of social media has, has helped um, or the presence of social media has helped the community kind of band together and push us towards a healthier uh, diet. But yeah, black mm-hmm. vegans, I'm seeing them so many. I'm so proud of them. <laughs> I'm so proud of it. It motivates me. And then plus I have more places to eat when I go places. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited, you know? All right. I mean, you know, just from, from just being an observer of popular culture, Seems like there's an yeah. explosion of black athletes, you know, a whole, yeah. like a whole bunch of the Tennessee yeah. Titans and, yeah. you know, celebrities, um, you know, so, like so, some of my favorite Instagram accounts, you know, like Badass Vegan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's inspiring a lot of people. Yeah. You know, to see a, a large, interconnected, growing community, like, you know, like popcorn, like people popping up all over the place chefs Mm -hmm. and restaurateurs and entrepreneurs and athletes and spokespeople. Um, It just, it feels like it's, it's almost could go, you know, it's like black mainstream at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely feel like that because even if people are not committing to a completely plant-based or vegan lifestyle, I definitely see more people um, incorporating more plant-based or vegan meals in their diet. And Of course, I get people who approach me for coaching and so on and so forth, but they are saying, you know, I'm not sure that I can be vegan just yet, but I'm really interested in trying some of these recipes. But um, not only that, how can you help me to maintain this? How can I um, eat more plant-based foods um, throughout the week and limit my meat consumption? Um, So, I mean, either way, it's just been a positive shift towards um, a plant-based lifestyle, a healthier lifestyle in general. Uh, but I see more people, actually, the, what the best thing is, I think I see, is that I actually see people sticking to it. <laughs> it's, it's not just, you know, like we've had all of the high um, fad diets. Uh, we all can list those. And, you know, they're, they come and they fade and they come and they, they peak and they fade, they peak and they fade. Uh, this I can just see people staying with. And like I said, even if they're not completely vegan, I still see their meals and they're still, for the most part, 90%, 80% plant-based. So um, I just think of the positive impact that's having on their children because I'm still very passionate about the children uh, being raised in a household and you don't know how to cook or you can't cook or you don't provide grocery. Um, it's nice to see these people introducing more fruits and vegetables into their household and exposing their children um, to a wider variety of uh, foods and not only foods, but just healthier, more nutritious foods. So, um, and the kids like it, you know, I've done, I've done some events where we're spiralizing zucchini and, um, you know, making spaghetti and they, you know, when I first did it, they were, they weren't sure what the difference was from a zucchini and a cucumber, (laughs) but, um, but then seeing their faces when they tasted it, and it was like, you know, hey, this is good. I like this. Can I get some more, Miss Queenie? You know? yeah. um, 
Yeah, so it's been nice to see. And then I had parents at, you know, these events come up to me afterwards and ask me, hey, can you share that recipe? I'd really like to incorporate that, you know. Um, one of our kids is gluten-free or one of our kids is, you know, um, sensitive to dairy or whatever the case may be. Um, and even in the, the adults, you know, I would just like it because it, it didn't taste like it sacrificed any flavor or, you know, those kinds of things. So it's just been nice to see the shift um, you know, across the board. And I'm just really happy that the kids are able to benefit from it. Right. So t- tell me, what, what are you going to be doing for the uh, the PCRM event, the Kickstart Triangle Health Fest? What, if people come out, when, when will they get to see you and what will you be sharing? Well, I will be there along with my cousin, Nick, who is, um, who's been a vegan for, I think, maybe the last 12 years, was vegetarian, I think, 10 years before then. Um, he um, has been head chef at one of the very popular vegetarian cafes in the area, and now he's working with me for 21 to Go, which is our meal uh, prep service. So uh, we'll have samplings there for people to taste. Um, if they are interested in signing up, but not only that, but just to expose, you know, more of the community to what others in the community are doing. And, and I'm very happy to be sharing that. I may have some juices on hand for people to sample and then, um, you know, things of that nature, food based though. <laughs> I hope to be sharing, um, you know, my story and how I became um, vegan or what prompted me. So that I'm hoping to, to also be sharing as well. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you there. And I hope everybody who's listening, who's uh, within driving distance of Durham, Cary, Raleigh, Chapel Hill, will, will come on out and, and meet the community and, and lend your support. Absolutely. I'm excited to see everyone. And please, if you notice me, make sure that you come up and say hi. I love to meet Everyone who's listening or following in some shorter fashion. So, right. And according, according to the um, uh, the flyer, you'll be the one holding a pineapple. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that's me, the pineapple girl. Right. So, so hug, <laughs> hug gently. Okay, I will do that. All right, Queen, Queen Netta Moore. Thanks as always for all the work you're doing. Can't wait to see you. And thanks for taking the time today. Thank you, Howie. I appreciate you. Take care. Bye-bye. My next guest is Dilip Barman. And if you are a Triangle local and you have anything to do with the plant-based vegan vegetarian movement, then you know Dilip. He has been involved, gosh, 20, 30 years now in the vegetarian Triangle Vegetarian Society. He is one of the movers and shakers behind what is the largest vegetarian Thanksgiving dinner in the country, probably in the world. And he is just so knowledgeable, so passionate, and so committed, involved in so many different areas. So let's get right to it. Dilip Barman, welcome to the Plant Yourself podcast. Thanks, Howard. Yeah, so we're, we're talking about the, uh, the PCRM kickstart that's coming to Durham. I think it might be the fifth or sixth uh, city, or, you know, I guess, or Durham, the whole, the whole triangle will be all over the place at the end of October. And you're one of the marquee presenters. So I wanted to talk to yep. you today about what, what you do in the community and a little bit to entice people to show up for the event itself. So let's let's start with you and what you what you're up to. 
Sure. Well, I've been involved in the community for, it feels like forever, but it's been since uh, the mid-90s, I guess. Um, so there's a variety of things I do. I, I, I lead the Triangle Vegetarian Society. We have potlucks, special guests, speakers. Um, the thing we're best known for is our Thanksgiving. We host, I call it the country's biggest vegetarian Thanksgiving. Uh, it's, of course, entirely vegan, but I do call it the biggest vegetarian Thanksgiving and uh, we surpassed the, the biggest one before us used to be um, Chicago some years ago. So we, we now at one extended seating um, have about 625, 650 people. And all told with pre-Thanksgivings, we often see, uh, seat around 1,000 people. Wow. Do you have a sense of how many of those people are vegetarian, vegan, and how many are curious? Thanks for asking, Howard. Yes, I do. And I, I can also tell a quick story. So I always take a, a rough poll, and and it may surprise you. Let me ask you, what, what's your guess? How many people who come do you think are vegetarian, vegan or vegetarian? Oh, um, I, would, I would guess a third to half would be yeah, so already eating that half. way. Yeah, about half or a little less than half are, are vegetarian or vegan. So, uh, you know, about 50-50. And that's just based on, you know, every year I, I ask, and it's very unscientific because some people have left by then, and some people may not hear the question, but very roughly half. Um, people come because the food is great. The food is very tasty, and uh, we um, – uh, the, the story I was going to tell is that some years ago, at Thanksgiving, everybody's so happy, but one year at Thanksgiving, uh, there was a, a, a family, happy people, except the parents. There were some older parents They were – from out of town from Florida, and they weren't so happy. And I said, well, glad you're here. What's, are there any issues? And they said they were used to having dead animals for Thanksgiving, and they're not used to that. So I said, well, I think you'll like the meal. I'll check back with you. And I came back half an hour later when they were sitting, and they had broad smiles. They loved it. They said, this is actually our best Thanksgiving ever. Huh. So <laughs> if, um, certainly you can make terrible vegan food if you don't know what you're doing. Certainly you can make terrible any kind of food. But if you know a little bit, vegan food, I would argue probably is the tastiest and uh, certainly uh, uh, has, there's so many choices in the plant kingdom to make wonderful food. Yep. So, so that's one thing I do. I work with the vegetarian society. My connection with PCRM is I'm really privileged to be a, a food for life instructor. I'll tell you what that is. So uh, you have to apply, and my wife suggested I apply. So you have to apply. You have to show you know how to teach cooking. I've been teaching cooking for many years. I submit some videos. I, I had some my international cooking demonstrations videotaped. I submitted that. You have to have a background check, and and uh, you have to be a vegan. And so they picked me, which was great. And so we're trained. We have monthly conference calls. We have a, a big conference once a year. We go through an intensive training initially. And so what that enables me to do is to teach the Food for Life curricula. We have various curriculum. We have a diabetes class, a cancer class. We have a, a general health and weight management class. We have a class for kids. Um, and we have others. We have a low-income class. We have a, a class for, for people who speak Spanish primarily. So uh, Neil Bernard, who leads, uh, who leads um, uh, PCRM Physicians Committee, uh, he's recorded – nutrition lectures. So we show a nutrition lecture, we discuss it, I give a quiz, and then I prepare two or three items, three or four items, I should say, that people get to try, all plant-based, whole food, and they go home with recipes and lots of handouts, and, and we have a lot of discussions. So that's my most immediate connection to PCRM. 
It uh, is something I love doing. It, I see the impact it makes. I get lots of great comments from people who maybe they all don't become vegan, but many of some of them do, and some of them we're really not focused on veganism per se, Howard, but we're focused on limited fat, whole food, plant based eating. So we don't really advocate French fries and potato chips, right? So, uh-huh, right. So we're really looking at healthful eating patterns. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's a subset of veganism. Right. And why is that? Why is that important? Because I know, I know you. I've known you for a long time. I know you are a very a committed, ethical vegan. And I, I said there's, there's sort of a a, uh, a rift or maybe a couple of camps in the, in especially among ethical vegans who sort of embrace you know, the vegan mac and cheese and vegan potato chips and vegan this and that as a means to get people um, on board, you know, and thinking that, well, if people are are eating healthy, then they're not going to be attracted to it. And we'd rather have a lot of junk food vegans than, you know, Mm. people eating 95% plant-based, but you've, you've managed to, to embrace and advocate both. What's, what's, what's your thinking? Well, one reason you do what you do with these wonderful podcasts is you ask awesome questions, Howard. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that question really could fill a podcast. We could spend half hour, 45 minutes just talking about that. And, and I won't do that now, but if you'd like, we could do that some other time. I, I think that there's many perspectives. And I think that if, you're, if you want to reduce animal suffering, I can definitely understand to tell people, come on in, the water's warm, and you can eat whatever you want that you're used to. You're used to burgers? We have plenty of burgers. You're used to chips? Many potato chips. Maybe most are vegan. You want french fries? Come get them. You know, Just don't cook in, uh, in lard or don't uh, use different animal products. So, so there is that approach that is as easy as possible. We take a slightly different thing. Come in, the water's warm. It's great. But we want you to tweak things a little bit. And uh, the reason we do that is... If I'm out promoting veganism, uh, uh, reducing uh, killing of animals, and I'm not particularly healthy, then I could imagine some people in the audience saying, you know, some of his arguments make some sense, but do I really want to follow that diet when kind of look at him? So I think it's important to project a sense of healthfulness, of energy, um, and also to have it centered around food, good food. I would argue that the kinds of food we prepare in our Food for Life classes is very well received. And the other metric we have with the food isn't just that it's tasty and nutritious, but that it's easy. And so we hit all of those things in the Food for Life curricula. And, and I think that's, that's the slight difference we have. In terms of junk food, it, it's occasionally I'll eat junk food. If I'm at a party and there's some potato chips, uh, maybe I'll have a few. We don't buy it. I don't buy uh, potato chips. And uh, Howard, what I tell my students is we encourage them to move towards a whole food plant-based diet, a vegan diet with no animal uh, products. And we aim for a 10% fat calories. But if you occasionally go beyond the 10%, you go out for vegan ice cream, you have um, a handful of potato chips, you eat um, popcorn that has a, a vegan margarine on it, that's okay as long as your overall average comes to 10%. So, so we, we, we ask people to watch their fat, but they don't have to be every single meal. Getting back to my Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is a time to indulge, and many people do. Uh, we have at Thanksgiving more and more dishes that are labeled no added fat. 
So my students or others who are interested can come to Thanksgiving and have a no-added-fat meal. I don't. When I eat at Thanksgiving, I indulge in pretty much anything because there's also the beauty of going to a place and saying, I can eat anything I want here. So I do think there's a place for different kinds of food. And I think that uh, in the classroom environment, when I'm teaching people, when I'm modeling my behavior to others, I do want to show the, the benefits. And there are many, many benefits, as you well know, and many of your listeners will know, to um, a whole food plant-based diet where you're watching the fats. It's, it's, many of your listeners will be familiar with Michael Greger as a quick evidence point. He, his website, nutritionfacts.org, shows uh, over and over that many of the maladies that we face in our society, especially in modern Western society, can be largely allayed by moving towards a plant-based diet. Right. So, so your your view is that actually we 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 want to make it as appealing as possible, and you're focusing on like who the people are who are sharing the diet and the lifestyle, as opposed to just focusing on this is the food. Yes, you need to meet people where they're at, and I can illustrate that with a quick story. So uh, one of one of my um, students, actually, was a couple. They, strong, they strongly embraced this approach of whole food plant-based with limited fat. Um, and they asked me, they said, we have some friends coming to town and we love the approach. We feel so much better. But what do you think, Bill? The first time they eat at our house, they were spending the weekend, if we prepare a vegan meal, but if we use a little bit of oil. And I thought about it. I said, that makes good sense because there is a jump from eating food with, with added fats no added fat. There is, a, there is a mouthfeel and it takes a little while to get used to. And I thought that was a really good approach because they could win them over with, look how easy it is to be vegan. And then later in the weekend, they were planning on preparing some more healthful meals. And uh, I don't think I ever, I, I, I run into them occasionally, I should ask them, but I know them well enough that if there were problems, they would have, they would have said something, but I should directly ask them about that. But I bet you they had a great time with their visitors. Hmm. So I think it's important to meet people where they're at. And uh, if somebody comes to my home and they're a heavy meat eater, I won't meet them that far. I'm not going to serve them meat. <laughs> I don't have any meat in my house. I don't know how to prepare it. I wouldn't want to. I'm an ethical vegan. But maybe if I know they're strong, heavy meat eaters, then maybe I'll have some transition foods as well as, well as my other dishes, for example, some vegan sausages or a variety of vegan cheeses. Because there is a place for some with transition foods. And the f- those foods that I might serve on the side would certainly be more healthful foods than the, the animal-based ones. Right. Makes perfect sense. So aside from um, PCRM and the Vegetarian Society, what, what else um, do you do around the triangle? Um, I do quite a bit in the, uh, in the plant-based world. So one thing that I'm really excited about that I've been involved with for a few years now is I'm very involved with the schools. So I've created something called the Healthy Snack Program, and I arrange for classroom teachers. I, currently, I'm working K through five. Uh, so I work with classroom teachers and I get them uh, cookware and I get them ingredients. And I even arrange for them to get some money just to, uh, you know, because they're spending time on this. And uh, they commit to two or three times a week preparing a nice vegan snack. Uh, and I make it very, very easy for them. They can prepare things like uh, various uh, versions of oatmeal lentils and rice, beans, uh, vegan yogurt served with organic strawberries, for example. Uh, so the schools I teach at, the, the kids, with very few exceptions, love the program. 
you might think of a kindergarten or first grader saying, yogurt, that sounds terrible. Huh. And of course, vegan yogurt, plant-based yogurt has many health uh, benefits, including the, the bacteria in it and the, the, the healthy bacteria in it and the, uh, the, soy pro- the soy in it. And, you know, you can make yogurt with, with rice and other products as well. So you have these kids who come up to me and say, Chef Dillip, we love the yogurt or we love the oatmeal. Oatmeal is another good example. You don't hear many kids raving about oatmeal. But the way I show the teachers to prepare the oatmeal, we don't add any sweetener we, except for apple. And so we cook the apple into the oatmeal and uh, the children don't even ask for maple syrup. They, they have that option, but it's, it's sweet enough. So I think I'm really helping there because uh, a lot of children are not coming to school prepared to learn. Many of them are coming without breakfast. Many of them are bringing heavily sugared junk food, junk food, sugar or not, to, to school, maybe as an afternoon snack. And that uh, all the kids I work with know that what's the problem with eating sugar? We get kind of hyper. And so... Um, one way not to be so hyper is to have, um, make sure you have a high fiber diet, make sure you're getting all these snacks, which they are through this program so that, uh, can you have some sweets? Sure. When you have that apple in the oatmeal with the fiber, it's slowly uh, metabolized. So you get the energy, but you don't get the, you don't get the drop off from eating uh, sugar directly. Mm. So do you get... that's something else that I, yeah. I do and I love doing this. Do you get any pushback from parents or like, you know, Oh, are... I'm so glad you asked that. I don't. And the reason I don't uh, is that I make it very clear when, when teachers work with me, currently I'm working with uh, one kindergarten class, two first grade classes, two or three third grade classes, and two fourth grade classes. And I give the teachers lots of material to share with their families if they want to. And when we get started, one thing that I say um, that we send home to the parents is that, especially at that age, Howard, when I work with adults, I, I take a different approach. But with children, I, I take the clear approach that I know something about nutrition and I'm happy to share it with you, but the only people who know what's best for you to eat, looking at the children, are your parents or your caregivers. And I, I say that, I send that in an email home to the parents, and then I say it in classes often. So I don't want to be in a position where, you know, I'm talking about all the benefits of plant-based diet, to have a kindergartner say, but daddy wants me to eat chicken. What am I supposed to say? Don't eat the chicken? No. What I say is, um, the evidence that I can share with your family, if they're interested, I can send it to them, is that if they don't eat the chicken, they probably will have better health. But I don't know your situation, and you need to trust your family. And I think because of the Howard, because I'm softer with my message with children, I don't get pushback. Uh-huh. The, the parents seem to really enjoy um, what their, their children are learning. I, I send them home with lots of material, too. And by the way, uh, with some of the classes who also do the Food for Life Kids class with me, I take them to a wonderful banquet at the same place we have Thanksgiving. So they come with their families, the teachers, everybody's dressed up, it's festive. I do a slideshow about plant-based diets, and I have uh, gifts for everybody, things like the Forks Over Knives DVD, various books, book about uh, vegan cooking for children with their families, um, lots of information sheets. So... um, and believe it or not, not only do I not get pushback, but a number of families have told me that because of the program, they the whole family has actually gone vegan. You're you're one of a, a small group of people who've been invited to kind of be on the marquee to help uh, PCRM, the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, um, 
put together this event in in the triangle. It'll be like a, a day and a half event, I guess. And there's things at a, a school. Um, there's there's things all over the place. What would you say to people who are curious about it? What's what 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 will Come what will down. you be doing, and what will be going on that will make people want to to attend? So I would say, come on down. There's lots of great reasons to, to come. It's a, uh, All of uh, the component events of the Kickstarter Triangle Health Fest are free. If for no other reason, come on down to see Neil Bernard. Some of your uh, listeners will, will probably know Neil. He established the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. Uh, and among its missions are getting the word out, showing people how, um, how to eat well based on evidence, based on strong evidence. And so Neil is this tireless man who's done a lot of great research studies. He's an MD. Uh, so he will be here. And um, the first part of the program is actually on Friday af- evening, late afternoon and evening um, at the Varsity Theater in Chapel Hill. We're going to be showing two films. We're going to be showing Forks Over Knives, which if people are new to this space of what to learn about plant-based diet and they wanted to see a movie, this would be the single movie I would recommend if they only had time to watch one. Um, it's a great movie that talks about how a lot of the uh, health problems we face in this country could be alleviated through moving towards a plant-based diet. I like it. It's a rigorous film. It has a, a, a very nice website, books, so you can look up references and, and see what's what's going on. So that's, that's very good. That's at 430 the second film, I don't know if you've seen this, Howard. I've never seen What the Health, but it's gotten rave reviews. The interesting thing about What the Health is, in my own work, and I, and I believe in your work, I really rely on strong evidence for the material that I'm sharing. I don't like to, I don't say things that I can't back up with, with footnotes and references. And I've heard a little bit of pushback to What the Health. Some people have claimed, again, I haven't seen the film that overall it's a good film, but there are some claims perhaps that weren't substantiated. And we discussed this amongst the group that, you know, the, that we're putting this uh, festival together and we decided that it's still important to go forward with it, uh, controversy or not, because then we could discuss it. Neil will be there uh, to discuss it. So um, my understanding of what the health, and please chime in because I bet you've seen it, is that um, it probably presents good information and its thrust is, is correct but there may be a few points some might quibble with that. There's not really proof. Yeah, again, I, haven't, I, haven't seen I, I haven't seen it. And I'm, I, I've heard the same thing and I've seen clips that I think I'm a little uncomfortable with in terms of, you know, it's, it's almost like holding things to a higher standard that if, you know, if someone, mm-hmm. because we're all, you know, even though we're right, <laughs> we also are human beings and we are, uh, liable to suffer from various biases, including confirmation bias, attribution bias, and it's easy mm. for us to to demonize. And so whenever I see a study that, you know, like I saw one the other day um, across my LinkedIn feed, it says, well, the dairy helps people um, overcome certain symptoms of chemotherapy. Like, well, mm. you, you know, I really want to know if that's true. Because I, I feel my first mm. my first impulse is well let's look and see you know how bad this study was so I'm immediately going to look for all the things I know I can criticize and I kind of want to be above that because I want to be so impeccable in my word that when when I say something that there's that, that there's gravitas to it as opposed to a 
you know, a doctrinaire approach. Because I think there's there's there is a space for people to be vegan, even if it's not the healthiest diet in the world. <laughs> right. I think mm. I, I think that exists. So it's not necessary or, or even for if it's the healthiest diet in the world for individuals, but not for the planet. Like, I just, I just want to be real clear that, you know, we are we are presenting data with with humility and an open mind. And, and we're not threatened by by anyone's right. anyone's presentation of fact. So right. I think I think it's but, great but it, that you're that you're showing the film and you're right. acknowledging like let's talk about it and let's see where yeah. these humans might have gotten it wrong too. And so it's supposed to be a entertaining film and easy to digest. We were hoping to show uh, we had a couple other films we were hoping to show and it didn't work out for a variety of reasons. But um, the good news is there's so many good films in the space. I'm actually involved with one film coming out early next year called Code Blue which is aimed towards medical practitioners and encouraging them to really learn more about diet. So the festival will begin with those two films on Friday in Chapel Hill. And again, all the events are free and there is even free popcorn. Um, and uh, one can stick around for the Q and a with, with Dr. Neil Bernard. So that's, that's part of it. But the main part of the event is really on, um, on Saturday, October 27th. And this is going to be held in Cary at a high school, Panther Creek high school. Uh, and I suppose I believe from noon till 4.30 or 5, something like that. I think it's noon to 5. Um, there'll be, one can come, everything's free. There's going to be some sampling of food. Uh, there'll be an exercise class. I think Queenie's doing that. I think you'll probably be interviewing Queenie more, so she's probably doing the exercise class. Um, there'll be a number of uh, speakers there. There'll be um, a panel discussion. Uh, my group, the Vegetarian Society, has an extensive table with, I don't know if you've ever seen our table, Howard, but we have lots of material. My, my good friend Brian Donlan maintains that, so we'll have literature that people can take for free. Um, and there will be some, as I said, some panel discussions. So there will be a lot going on then, and people can feel free to come and go as they wish, um, stay for the whole event, come for part of it. I think they'll get something out of it uh, for however long they can afford to come and join us. And again, it's all free. Great. Um, so that's at Panther Creek on Saturday, and that's the day when when uh, when uh, Neil Bernard will be there. Um, he'll be who, there both days. He'll okay, be there, he'll be there both days. Okay, I mean he's he's a big deal. He he's a big deal. You know, I mean, I talk, I, I interviewed him, and we we did it via Skype, so we, I could see him. And he's like, like, well, you know, I started PCRM in 1985, and I'm like, were you nine? <laughs> like he's so he's, <laughs> and he looks so young. He looks so young. <laughs> So like, like, like was this, is this like was Doogie Hauser based on you, Neil? But he's, he he certainly you know lives lives as an example of what he's what he's preaching. There is there is integrity there that's unimpeachable. Neil is awesome. I don't know if you know about this, Howard. I go every year. He puts on an amazing conference. It's called Nutrition and Medicine Conference because, as I'm sure you know, medical doctors generally know very little about nutrition. It's not their fault that. It's the, it's the case that medical schools don't require it. There's, I think the average doctor comes out of their six to 10 years of training with an average of something like three, four hours of sitting, you know, talking about nutrition. So it's very, very little. And so that's one thing that Neil's been really trying to change. And this conference is great because uh, it's all strictly evidence-based. And uh, uh, he has people from uh, many countries who come and, and present their their information. They're not all necessarily vegans, 
and uh, their results are are very strongly supportive of plant-based diet, but you know all the data points. There are some data points that leave a little bit of room for some other options too. So uh, I think it's an open and scientifically rigorous conference that uh, I'd like to see. It's, it's this past year it was packed, it was full. They were they sold out well before the conference started, which means we we can't remember what the number was, but but if on the order of a thousand or something like that. So uh, I I'd like to see us grow. This year we allowed for some people to actually. Um, participate through a computer to listen to some of the speakers through their um, computers. So we had even more people participating. So yeah, Neil's awesome. Great. So don't, don't miss the chance to come out. Cause he's a, he's a busy guy. I've seen him at many conferences and he he'll show up for his speech and then he'll fly off. You know, he, he flew away from the cruise. I think, I think he, uh, yeah, he, he yeah, may have, I, he may have scuba dived the- off or a helicopter picked him up or something, but he, he was on the cruise one minute and then he was gone the next. So, uh, it's yeah, a rare chance busy. to I, spend I, some time and hang out with him. We've gone on the vegan cruise a few times. It's called holistic holiday at sea. And so he always is a speaker, but he's there just for the first two, three days. And then he disembarks and flies back. He's, he's very, very busy. And I don't want to diminish. We haven't even mentioned the other folks. Everybody else is very well worth listening to, too, as well. Jonathan Sheline is one of our, one of the growing numbers of plant-based physicians who are using uh, diet to promote well-being. So uh, just coming to see Jonathan would be well worth it. Uh, Queenie has been a long time, um, health coach and she's very active. She teaches, um, uh, you know, active lifestyle because that's also an important part of good health. Parul has been for a long time. Parul Karod will be there. She's a registered dietitian. She works as a licensed nutritionist at a hospital in Cary. She uh, writes for a magazine. She's, she's great. And coming just to see Parul will be well worth it as well. Uh, Nadine Blank, Blake, I work with her at one of the schools. So she uh, is the nutrition director, and um, at this particular school, we won the PCRM Golden Carrot Award for healthy school lunches. So she'd be a good person to spend time with as well. Uh, right. So I encourage people to come for any of those folks, uh, including, of course, Neil. Neil's a superstar, but I think the other folks are also stars. <laughs> right, and I'll, I'll also be there uh, live podcasting. So Great. Whatever, whatever that means. I don't, I don't really know what that means because I've never done it, but. Uh... I'll be doing it. Then. I'll be doing it then. So. Good. I guess You'll be there uh, during the Q and A for the films, or just during the Saturday event. I think the Saturday event. Okay. Uh, so uh, yeah, I'll, 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 I won't, I'll let people alone while they're watching the movies. <laughs> but, uh, on, on the Q and A would probably be interesting though to capture. Yeah. Well, they'd have to let me on stage, so. <laughs> I haven't I haven't negotiated that level of access yet. But, uh... <laughs> if you're interested, I can help. <laughs> okay, well, well we'll see how it goes. I'm sure I'm sure there's plenty going on with, without me. Yeah. But, uh, all right, Dilip. Well, thank thank you for uh, for sharing all, all this stuff um, for for all you do and for taking the time to explain it today. Thank you so much for inviting me. All right, talk to you later. Next in the lineup is Dr. Jonathan Sheline. He's one of the top plant-based clinicians, practitioners, physicians in the Triangle region. He has a practice with a wonderful name, Physician Assisted Wellness. And since uh, seeing Forks Over Knives, reversing a lot of his own chronic diseases and committing to lifestyle medicine, he has become an important voice for not just the ethics of the plant-based movement, but also the science 
behind it. And he, I've seen him so many times around the area giving talks, sharing slides, sharing the data, sharing his own clinical experience, and really such an important voice to bring into the mix. And this is, you know, Durham is the city of medicine, so proclaimed. And so everybody here is a, a doctor, a PhD, a pathologist, a clinician, a researcher. And so if people need hard facts, and Jonathan's one of the best people to give it to him. So let's get right into it. Hey, Jonathan, um, thanks for taking the time to talk about the PCRM um, Durham event. Um, first, let's let everybody know uh, who you are and what you do. Well, hi, uh, Howie. Yeah, this, I'm Dr. Jonathan Sheline, and I'm a family doctor, and I retired from my fairly standard family medicine practice at the end of 2016 to open a solo practice in lifestyle medicine that focuses mainly on plant-based nutrition. And uh, so I, I'm, I, I uh, see patients on Thursdays in Durham. Great. So I remember um, when we first moved here in 2005, by accident, because we didn't know anybody, and we just sort of picked your name, your practice out of a hat. You were our kid's pediatrician. Um, I don't, you weren't plant-based. I was sort of plant-based, but not as, I, as much as I am now. What led you... To, uh, to completely revamp the way you do medicine um, and, you know, and, and explore new, new practice models and new modalities of treatment? Well, that's, that's a great question and, and very exciting, actually. I remember it was in about five years ago, let's see, 2000, yeah, that's about right, 2013, um, I had three different things happen. Uh, two of them were my patients, two different patients loaned me books on plant-based nutrition. One was on, you know, the China study by Colin Campbell. Another was uh, Eat to Live uh, by Joel Furman. And th this was within about a week of each other. And then shortly after that, uh, one of my medical colleagues sent me a video or a link to a, a video by Dr. Greger uh, of nutritionfacts.org about this was one of his year in review summaries about the leading causes of death. And uh, I was just flabbergasted to hear all of his very good evidence backed up by references that most of the leading causes of death in the United States, nearly all of them would be greatly reduced by switching to a plant-based diet. I'm trained as an epidemiologist, and I actually went and, and read some of the uh, papers that he referenced and, and decided, wow, this, this yeah, I couldn't believe I had never heard of it. Uh, that's a whole another topic about how little doctors know about nutrition. After reading about it, I just decided, okay, I'm going to make this, I'm going to make this change myself because I had some, some of my own medical issues. Uh, high cholesterol, I had a kidney stone, and I was having acid reflux, and all of those things went away or got better, I should say, with uh, my switch to a plant-based diet. And I started going to conferences, uh, uh, went to several uh, conferences on plant-based nutrition, and, and finally I just decided, wow, I just, uh, I, I'm very much an I idealistic uh, person and doctor, and I just decided, you know what, I, I'm tired of, of uh, 
doing medicine the old-fashioned way or I feel like I'm putting Band-Aids on people and, and um, treating them with medications that largely treat their symptoms instead of the causes of their illness. So I just decided I wanted to do medicine the way I had sort of always dreamed, you know, where I could actually tell patients, you know what, I, I can uh, pretty much guarantee you that you'll get better without medication and uh, feel better. And so since you um, since you shifted your practice, I'm sure like everyone has left their old medical model and come to you as a doctor. Right. Like as soon as as we do this, because it's so effective, the market completely shifts. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um, Yeah, I wish, Uh, you know, it's it's, it's this real disconnect because when I go to some of these conferences and I get so enthusiastic and I and you know, I'm, I'm among the, uh, the the choir, so to speak. I mean, I'm, I'm among all the converts to this. And, and then I come back home and I realize, my gosh, nobody, none of, almost no, none of my doctor friends even have heard about this. And, 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 um, and, and you know, I'm, I'm not uh, burning, I'm not setting the, the world on fire, should we say, with, with the, the number of patients who come to my practice even though I have great success with those who do. Um, so we've got a long ways to go. Right, which, which brings me to the event that you are helping to lead as a, as a local leader. The Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, PCRM, is doing a, a big day in Durham in October. I think it's uh, the weekend of the 25th, 26th, 27th-ish. Um, yeah, so can you exactly. T- talk? Yeah, talk talk about what 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 it is and how what what you'll be doing. Well, I'm really excited. Uh, Dr. Neil Barnard, who is the president of PCRM, is coming down to the Triangle area to promote uh, plant-based nutrition and to promote practices like mine, uh, so we can spread the word a little bit more effectively. He is quite well known. He's uh, published a number of books. Probably the most well known is, is uh, Dr. Neil Barnard's program for reducing diabetes. He's done a lot of original research on diabetes. But he's so he's coming down and he's giving grand rounds at Duke at uh, Duke Regional Hospital on Thursday noon. Um, then he's uh, going to meet with medical students both at UNC and Duke. Uh, on on Thursday and Friday, um, I think Friday at Duke and Thursday at UNC. Uh, then um, Friday after Friday afternoon, uh, we have a couple of movie screen screenings at the Varsity Theater in in Chapel Hill. One's Forks Over Knives, the other one is The Game Changers, and that's uh, yeah that's from 4:30 to 9 on Friday, and then. Saturday, there's going to be a big program at, uh, uh, I think, Panther Creek High School over in uh, Wake County, um, where we, we do a, a Kickstart Triangle Health Fest, and that's going to be from uh, noon to five, and I'll be on a panel with uh, the other leaders that you mentioned of, of, of this local effort and uh, talking about 
you know, what we do, what, what goes, what's going on here in the triangle in, in this uh, arena. And, uh, yeah. Right. Now, I, I know that you, you mentioned you're an epidemiologist. I know you're also a public health person. And the way I discovered that you were plant-based was I got invited to a talk you gave. I think it was at the Scrap Exchange. And right. you and, and all the talks that, that I've heard of yours, you talk about not just individual health, but environmental health as well, which is, you know, sort of like a public health type issue. And I know that PCRM is also extremely vocal in looking at all of the implications and consequences of the way we eat and the food we choose to eat, not just what this bite does to my biochemistry. Um, how, how do you integrate all of that, all of the concerns around eating plant-based as opposed to our standard American diet into, into your practice and into your life and into your philosophy? Yeah, that's a great uh, question. So I am passionate about the environment, about the issue of uh, uh, global climate change. Um, that goes back even before I started into medicine, really, uh, my interest in, in environment, for example. And um, so, yeah, in terms of my own practice, it doesn't enter so heavily. I, I mentioned the, the fact that switching to a plant-based diet reduces one's uh, carbon footprint by essentially 50%. So it's the single most effective thing you can do in this lifetime to, to combat global warming. Um, in terms of my own, my own life, I do a lot of volunteering, uh, especially through my church, the Unitarian Church in Durham. I'm a member of a group called Earth Justice, and uh, we we give we have a film series where we we uh, show environmental films uh, essentially once a month. Um, I put on once a year a, a sort of plant-based eating week at. Uh, at ERUP, you know, the Eno River Unitarian Universalist Fellowship that you've, that you've given talks at as well. And, um, and you know, I, uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm a member of several, several other organizations around, you know, there, there was one called uh, Transition Durham that I, was, that I was involved with for quite a long time and um, the Sierra Club. And so, so this, is, this is a personal interest of mine and it, it just feels so good to me that so many parts mesh together in, in, in a coherent way. In other words, switching to, to a plant-based diet uh, can cure so many different illnesses, especially in, in Western medicine. Also, it will do more than anything else you can do to solve global climate change. And then the third area, which I know PCRM is heavily involved with, I, I haven't gotten so personally involved with, but I, I believe in this is the whole animal welfare aspect. You know, I, I used to feel like, well, you know, you, you got to kill a plant to eat it. You got to kill an animal to eat it. So I, I you know, I, I wasn't, it, it wasn't high on my list until I saw several films showing the conditions 
uh, of modern factory farming, you know, the chickens and pigs and cows are treated so abominably in our, uh, it makes me ashamed to be a human being when, when I see these, uh, these films and how we treat these living creatures, you know, spend their whole life in a little cage, scarcely bigger than their own body, um, and, and are only kept alive by massive doses of uh, antibiotics and hormones and other chemicals, and these animals are stressed out. And you can just imagine that that eating an animal that's totally stressed out its whole life can't be very good for one's own health either. So, yeah, so, so it, feels, it feels good to me that working on getting people on a plant-based diet addresses their health issues, it addresses world environmental issues, and it addresses animal welfare issues. So, uh, yeah, it feels good. Great. So for folks who are in the triangle who are not vegetarian, vegan, plant-based, particularly knowledgeable about this, what what would you say to them to uh, convince them to come out and, and watch a couple of the videos or come to the, the Saturday um, Health Fest? What's in it for them? <laughs> well, uh, not to be overly dramatic, but uh, basically I think this can save your life. It, it can save the life of uh, a relative. And we're talking about extremely common illnesses, the heart attacks, strokes, um, cancer, diabetes, obesity, which shortens one's life. Um, these, are, these are very, very common issues. And everyone, I think just about everyone knows someone who has died of a heart attack or has had a heart attack or a stroke, you know, cardiovascular disease is still the, the leading cause of death in America. So, you know, it, I think it behooves people to, to come out and, and listen to an approach that could wipe out the number one leading cause of death. There's, there's a, you know, some of the, uh, Caldwell Ethelson, who's a, 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 a doctor out in the, at the Cleveland Clinic, has a, a saying that I'm, I like to, to quote, which is that uh, coronary artery disease, the, the leading killer of Americans, is a plant is a, a food-based illness and uh, need never exist. Uh, that's a pretty strong statement, and uh, I think though it's you can back it up pretty pretty well with uh, with published data. Right. I was going to say one more thing. You, know, you didn't really ask me, but, but uh, there's, there's a great uh, video that uh, Dr. Michael Greger does comparing the situation of smoking in the early 1960s with, uh, with diet in, uh, in, in this decade, where he points out that in the early 60s, most doctors were smoking, and even though there were, by then, there were lots of studies out showing that smoking was not good for you, most doctors somehow weren't aware of it, and if they were aware of it, they, they're not exactly going to recommend stopping smoking when they're smoking, um, and analogous to the situation now where there's lots of evidence out there published saying 
that plant-based nutrition is uh, can can cure most of the common medical illnesses, and yet most doctors don't know about it. And uh, and if they have heard something about it, you know, they your natural tendency is to sort of poo-poo something that you're doing yourself. And you know, you you know, things like people like what they eat. I mean, people like their cheese and their meat and their their hamburger and their uh, et cetera. And I, I'm the first to admit that, like I said before, changing a, a habit like what you eat is very problematic. Um, so I, I still don't think that excuses doctors from, from not understanding, from not being aware of all the studies out there showing that they could cure their patients without medications simply by getting them on a proper diet. Right. Well, that's why it's so great to hear that Dr. Barnard is going to be doing grand rounds and meeting with medical students. Uh, that you know, maybe this 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 upcoming generation is less set in their ways, is more open to evidence, is more concerned about the environment, and uh, you know, we'll we'll start to see the tipping point the way we did with smoking in the uh, you know sort of seventies, eighties, and nineties. Right. I can only hope so. You know, I have I have two children. One, one just turned thirty. My son and my daughter is about to turn thirty-three, and um, and you know this this world is not headed in a great direction right now in, in a lot of ways. But uh, I also have high hopes for the the coming generation. So, right, very good. Well, Dr. Jonathan Sheline, thank you for all you do. Thanks for being one of the community leaders for the uh, PCRM efforts in Durham, North Carolina. And thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. Well, you're welcome. Howard, thanks. Thanks a lot. Enjoyed talking with you. Take care. You too. And last but not least, the eminent Parul Karod. Parul is a dietitian, and not only is she heavily involved in the plant-based community, but she's also firmly embedded in uh, Wake Med, in a traditional standard medical system and the way that she navigates both of those worlds, bringing our work into theirs and fostering conversation and curiosity and helping people get better who don't necessarily listen to the Plant Yourself podcast or read books by Esselstyn, McDougall, Campbell, Barnard, Davis, etc., um, is really wonderful missionary work. So let's hear from her. Hey, Parul, thanks for taking the time. I'd uh, love to introduce you to the podcast listeners and have you talk a little bit about what you'll be up to for the PCRM uh, Health Fest in Durham. First of all, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. Thank you, Howard. Thank you for inviting me to the podcast. Uh, my name is Parul Karod. I am a registered dietitian and licensed nutritionist. Um, as far as my education, I have a master's degree in, in dietetics and an undergrad in food and nutrition. Um, I work at uh, WakeMed Hospital as their outpatient, um, uh, in the outpatient nutrition services as a dietitian. Um, so what I do is a lot of individual nutrition counseling uh, for basically um, everything under the sun, I would say, uh, all kinds of uh, medical issues as far as weight management, diabetes, heart disease, kidney disease. Uh, I also specialize in food allergies 
So I'll see a lot of kids as well as adults with um, either one or multiple food allergies. Um, I also do a lot of uh, diet counseling for autoimmune diseases like celiac, Hashimoto's, um, uh, and and all of that spectrum. Um, I teach um, diabetes uh, classes, um, and then I'm also part of their uh, the hospital's um, kidney stone clinic. So we work with dietary changes to help people prevent kidney stones. So um, a lot of different um, issues, health issues, as far as um, nutrition is concerned. And um, so that's what I do basically on a day-to-day basis. Gotcha. So I'm curious, you're working at, at WakeMed in a, in a uh, mm-hmm. very mainstream institution. How, how do mm-hmm. you manage to navigate you know, your perspective, your plant-based, evidence-based outlook Mm -hmm. with what I imagine uh, isn't always uh, a a community totally embracing that. Right, right, right. So, I mean, I have um, a a spectrum of, of, um, you know, patients. Not all of them are 100% aboard with the plant-based diet. However, um, I always, you know, sort of meet them where they are and then slowly sort of gear them towards uh, explaining why plant-based foods are important for health. Um, One of the things that has recently helped is all this uh, information about um, probiotics, like the whole gut microbiome and and why probiotics are important. And and that has sort of helped fuel, I mean, not fuel, uh, that has sort of helped um, guide the, the conversation in the sense that uh, I always tell them that, you know, we need a lot of prebiotic and probiotic um, bacteria in our gut to stay healthy um, as far as mind and, and body health. And the only foods that have fiber that help with the probiotic bacteria is is all plants. You know, all plants have fiber. Animal foods don't have fiber. So it's that's a clear-cut distinction. So that's where I always start usually and, and tell people that we need a lot of fiber and that's where we have plants. And then we start talking about other benefits of the plant. So not necessarily, depends on the person. I don't always use the word vegan or vegetarian, um, but um, sort of guide them as to this is your portion plate, this is what you need, um, and always focusing on the plant foods, that this is what you need, the, the whole grains, the beans, the nuts, the fruits and vegetables. And then depending on how willing they are, either to cut out meat completely or at least reduce it to whichever level, you know. So, I mean, I can push as much as I can. Um, but um, mm-hmm. talking about the benefits of the... Because there are a lot of people who don't eat any plant foods at all. Right. So at least at least if they can add those, then that's, that's a plus. Yeah. So, so do they, then you go from there. Do they ever yeah. come back to you and say, but my doctor said I need, you know, lean protein or you yeah, know my my su- my surgeon is a, is not doing keto like do you get pushback yeah. from within wake med yeah a lot lot of time not within wake med i mean i see a lot of you know people who are referred from outside um, uh, practices as well so i don't see i don't see just wake med patients i see a lot of patients who are referred to me from um, other practices like other primary care practices or other cardiology practices or other gastroenterology practices so it's it's not just just weak med referrals. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of, um, unfortunately, and as you know, we have heard um, Dr. Barnard and other other physicians themselves admit that doctors themselves um, don't get the best nutrition education. 
And so a lot of patients will come saying that, yeah, my doctor um, told me to eat low carb. Anytime, I mean, this, this is true with mostly all diabetes patients. Um, you know, for diabetes, mostly all, um, you know, patients will come saying that they were advised to do a low carb diet uh, or a keto diet or um, a high protein diet. And um, um, so, so I have to sort of guide the conversation from there that, yeah, those are fat diets. They don't always work. And we also want to look at one thing that always resonates with people is that I, first off, I just start out by saying that I don't believe in diets and that you don't need to count calories. And, and so that um, yeah, all the time. Um, so that always helps. And then um, talking to each person that, you know, each person is unique, you know, two people having the same uh, chronic diseases like diabetes, for example, may not always ha need the same nutrients in their body, you know, so because one person might have high cholesterol, the other person might have um, an autoimmune disease. So, you, so a person has to look at everything that's on their medical history and gear the diet towards that. Because like, for example, if somebody is doing a low carb diet just to lose weight, but then that makes the, their cholesterol go up, then what's the point, right? So, um, so that always resonates well with people that, yes, you are looking at their overall total long-term health. Um, and what will help with long-term health with every chronic disease is a well-balanced plant-based diet. So, so, so that always helps, um, you know, sort of guide the conversation. Great. So, mm -hmm. um, what? Tell us about um, the the PCRM Health Fest. What are you going to be doing, and what are you looking forward to in terms of its potential impact on the community? Yeah. So we on at the Health Fest, we each have our own, you know, sort of tables. So just telling people what we do, and and hopefully, you know, if somebody wants to. Um, eat a plant-based diet, but they don't know how to or what to, then our hope is that they will come back to us and we can guide them in the right direction. Um, and then I believe we, there is also sort of like a panel discussion, so I'm going to be part of that. So my hope is just that with the PCRM events that people become more aware of the broad reach of the benefits of the plant-based diet, that it's not just a, you know, um, it's not just a fad. It's not just some, you know, um, weird hippie thing that people do. <laughs> it's more like uh, it, it's a, it has a, a proven uh, benefits, and we have numerous research studies to show that there are, there are benefits to not just one aspect of health, but um, but uh, like I was saying earlier, like overall long-term health, it can help with with weight, with heart disease, with, with diabetes, and uh, preventing and treating um, a number of different medical issues. So my hope is that the, the community can come out and, and, um, and sort of learn a little bit more about uh, the benefits, and so we can um, expand this knowledge um, to help as many people as we can. Yeah. Do you find that the people that you counsel who become more plant-based mm -hmm spread it to their families that, that you know maybe that uh... yes yes definitely definitely they do uh, and one of the biggest um, impacts i have seen is with like i was saying our, our kidney stone clinic so kidney stones um, 
one of the major risk factors for kidney stones is the consumption of animal protein. So, so that, um, is, and we have literally seen results that as people have started cutting back on their animal food, they are not having stones anymore. Um, and um, we have seen people drop their cholesterol, people drop their blood pressure, their blood sugars coming back down to normal. I had one person who had multiple digestive issues um, um, and IBS and, you know, more, more chronic, those kinds of uh, uh, conditions. But he wanted to build muscle, so he was working out and he was doing a lot of protein shakes. Um, and when we changed the diet to sort of like a more plant-based, easy-digest foods, um, all of his numbers came back down to normal, including like elevated uric acid and elevated liver function enzymes and all of that just dropped back down to normal. So we have seen clear results with that when we do change, um, and I mean, when, when, when people do adhere to the changes that we recommend, they have clearly seen results. Yeah. Great. So, so I guess some some mm -hmm. of your your clients and patients may be dragging their families to to the event. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. So the patients that I see, I mean, they already know. I'm hoping that that more other people, like who are not aboard, you know, sort of. Um, and get more educated about this subject. So. Right. So the people would say, yeah, mm -hmm. I don't really, I don't really understand the science. I'm just doing what they told me and I'm feeling better, but yeah. you know what, there's this, yeah. there's this couple of days. And like, if you're interested, come on out, it'll, right. it'll taste good. It'll right. be fun and you'll learn. Sure. Definitely. Great. So if people want, do you have mm -hmm. a, a blog or a website or, or a presence if people want to find you outside of WakeMed? Um, I don't have a blog. I do write for our hospital blog. Um, so our hospital blog is called wakemedvoices.org. And uh, people can go on that blog. I have my articles there. Um, I do write regularly for another, um, like a regional South Asian magazine. Um, and that caters mostly to the South Asian population um, in, in the um, and that, that magazine goes out to, I believe, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia. So those are the three states it covers. But it's called Sathi, S-A-A-T-H-E-E, Sathi.com. If you go to their website, my my uh, column, it's called Nutrition for Life. And so it's a monthly magazine. So the magazine is free. It's published once a month. But all of the articles are on the website as a, in, a, in a blog form, so you can find my articles there. Great. So I'll, I'll um, include a link uh, to the show notes. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. Great. And, um, and, yeah, and you can include my um, um, information in case somebody wants to come see me as, a, like, my referral um, uh, numbers. Um, I can I can send those to you. Great. Yeah. yeah, email me those, and I'll put them up on the site. Mm -hmm. Great. So I see the sure. – uh, your uh, your last um, Wake Med blog was preventing GI issues with diet, and mm -hmm. Sati magazine. You have something on functional foods, and it's all mm -hmm. it's all in English, so <laughs> all of us can. Yes, it's all. <laughs> it's all in English. Good. So I, I, I don't I don't have to learn Gujarati in order to get the uh, benefit no, you of don't. your wisdom. <laughs> That's a relief. Yeah. It's, it's a busy week, so. 
Yes. <laughs> all right, Barul, uh, thank you so much for all you do and for taking the time today and for being part of the, the PCRM effort to bring uh, health and sanity to the Triangle of North Carolina. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Plant Yourself podcast. I hope you enjoyed meeting these four figures in the community. There was one person I couldn't arrange a call with in time. It's Nadine Blake, who is a food services manager at one of the local public schools. And that would have been a really interesting story. But she'll be there as well, talking about how she brings healthy food to the school children in Durham, North Carolina. So if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support our mission, you can subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. And if you'd like, to, again, to find out about becoming a WellStart Health Coach, just go to wellstartcoach.com, and you have a few days to do that and schedule an enrollment interview. If you're interested in finding out more about becoming a participant in an upcoming WellStart cohort, a 12-week on-ramp to health, or as Josh and I have been talking about, if you're interested into a NASCAR or boating, the 12-week whole shot, uh, that's H-O-L-E-S-H-O-T. I'd love to know if you know that phrase, because I'd love to use that in our marketing, but I just have no idea if that's uh, too weird or a turnoff. Uh, but you can look up Whole Shot on Google and let me know what you think. Um, <laughs> just go to wellstarthealth.com. You can read about it. We usually have cohorts starting every six weeks, every two months or so at this point. So uh, we just started one, so you might have a little bit of a wait. But get on the list. We'll send you some good stuff in the meantime. And, of course, there's always the podcast. This was episode number 293. You can check out the show notes there. And if you're new to the show, you can check out 292 archived episodes over at plantyourself.com. Okay, so what's going on now? Regarding news, we've been away for 10 days. I have no idea. Um, looking forward to getting home to seeing if, uh, if the kale has managed to uh, keep growing and avoid rodents and, and pestilence and pests and all that. And in running news, I did a, uh, a nice slow 5K. It was fun to kind of get back. Um, it was, I was running with a whole bunch of people who've been on the podcast. I uh, followed Josh Lajani for about 100 meters before he took off without me. Um, <coughs> I saw Darren Morton um, ablaze in the distance ahead of me. And then uh, I ran with uh, Dr. Veggie, Ted Barnett, for a bit. And I finished with David Donahue. We were sort of uh, helping each other across the last half mile. And uh, I finished at a 7.30 pace, roughly. It was a, it was a 3.55 mile three, uh, 5K. So that was about uh, almost a half a mile longer than uh, should have been. But we all survived. We all had a good time. Uh, thanks. Thanks, of course, to Will Ridenauer for allowing me to use Sabali Don, the Dance of Peace, as the theme music for this show. And thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons, as in Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Mara, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hadley, Mary Jean Wheeler, Ellen Kennedy, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Barron, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jen Vilkanovsky, David Vizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Victoria Dolomanova, Leia Sterl, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrews, Josina, Julianne Rollins, Stu Dolnick, Sarah Durkis, Run the Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Leanne Peterson, Janet Selby, Claire Adams, Tom Franzek, Jeanette Bedden, Gil Lacerte, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Dorona Vizov, Gio and Carol Argentati, Jody Friesner, Ruth Ann Funderburg, Misha Rosen, Michael Lorabek, Equally Mistakes, Mysterious Tracy Z. 
Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lineman, Ranjit Cinnamon, Nick Harper, Stephanie Holmuth, Martha Bergner, Nick Martha Bergner, Nicole Ramsey, Susan Ahmad, Molly Levine, The Inscrutable, Harry R., Susan Laverty, The Panda, Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Sharp, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Ashley Corker, and Kelly Machia, Deanne Norton, Molly Lynch, The Plant Happy Organ, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Carrot, Teresa Coble, Shaw Rudolph, Julian Watkins, Breed O'Connell, Brian Sheridan, Shannon Hirschman, Kate Roseland, Diaz, Julie Langholm, Hedda Gardiza, Tuzan Wak, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Aviva Lel, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Cherry Olakoski, Plant Powered for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Morani, Karen, and George Crabtree. Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Kelly Baker, Miracle, Ann, Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton, Jeff Allery, Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justine Divitt, Joshua Sommermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darby Kelly, Lori Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Deb Casilla, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamond McAtee, Dan Corny, Stephen Leenan, Party DiMartino, Mike and Donna Kartz, and Deanne Bishop for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for this week. As always, be well, my friends. All right, time for thanks. Thanks to Will Ridenauer for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, The Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willridenauer.com. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Marrow, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jean Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Barnes, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jen Filkonofsky, David Vizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrews, Josina, Sarah Durkis, Rhymes with Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Janet Selby, Kara Adams, Tom Fronsek, Jeanette Benham, Gail Lacerte, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Toronto Vizo, Gio and Carol Argentati, Jody Friesner, Ruthann Funderburg, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck. The equally mysterious Tracy Z, Aviva Lael, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lineman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Harperson, Martha Bergner, Susan Amon, Molly Levine, the inscrutable Harry R., Susan Laverty, the Panda, Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Scharf, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Kelly Machia, Deanne Norton, Bonnie Lynch, Plant, Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Copel, Julian Watkins, Breed O'Connell, Shannon, Hirsch, Shannon Hirschman, Linda Ayat, Holm Hedegaard, Isa Tuzumwa, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis... Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Olakoski, a plant powered for health, Karen Smith, Scott Marani, Karen and Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Ann Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justine Divitt, Joshua Sommermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darmy Kelly, Laurie Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McAtee, Dave McCorney, Stephen Leenan. Patty D. Martino, Mike and Donna Kartz, Deanne Bishop, Bill Brielf, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Molden, Trisha Adams, Ian Kramer, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bashford, Gunmarie Hagen, Tracy Gullis, Laura Heaton, Meg for Mama Says, Rochelle Kennedy, Diana Goldman, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, Holly Butler, Diana, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Parham Ganchi, Amy Daly, Brian Tourville, Mark Jeffrey Johnson, Josie Dempsey, Karen Schmidt. Pamela Hayden, Emily Perryman, Olga Sidorowska, Allison Corbett, Richard Stone, Lauren Vaught, Abedable Musings, Aaron Hasty, Sean Owen, Sagar Nayak, Erica Piedra, and Danielle Roberts for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for today. As always, be well, my friends.